Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations episode 34. I'm here with Jenny, who is an HIV educator intern at an organization I used to work with. And uh, we're going to talk about HIV and anything tangential that comes up here on the Sexplanations podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> I'm, ner- I'm nervous, but I am excited. <laughs> I'm nervous too. I don't know what's going on. I've done, this will be 34. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a lot. Thanks. Why am I nervous today? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's because I don't know you. Yeah. Maybe my energy is bringing some nervousness in. I just know. I usually know the guests and we oh. talk, but I really wanted someone from Open Aid. Alliance, which is the organization that you work for now and Mm -hmm. I worked for in the past because we're going to talk about HIV. And I think that the episodes we did on that four years ago on this Explanations YouTube channel are not as up to date as they need to be. And so it was important to me to have somebody who is really working it every day, you know, with clients and reading the material and doing the education to come and share your insight and experience. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so let's do it. We do get to do a shout out for our, uh, they're called our bosses. Um, basically, these are people pledged at a, a very generous level on Sexplanations Podcast Patreon page. So if you go to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can be one of them, too. Donna Flint, Paul Nixon, the Millers, and the Fletchers. Instead of doing a question, what I wanted to do was read a chunk of this email that I got from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention because it just came out this week, and I feel that it's pertinent. It says, National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day is February 7th. We encourage you to join the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other partners across the United States in observing this day, celebrating progress in HIV prevention among blacks and African-Americans and taking action to expand progress. HIV diagnoses have declined among African-Americans in recent years, including a 20% decline from 2011 to 2015 among African-American women which is awesome. This progress may indicate the success of targeted efforts to prevent HIV among some of the most affected populations. However, as NBHAAD's theme, which would be National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, the theme is stay the course, the fight is not over. It reminds us we must continue to build on this success to reach our goal to prevent HIV. So, you know, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I like I, it when numbers go down. Yeah, it's great when numbers go down. I actually was just reading, however, um, about a lot of communities in the South, um, African-American and Latino communities amongst gay and bisexual men have been still kind of going up. Um, and yeah. yeah. So I think nationwide it is going down and that's awesome. But as it said, like we still have to continue this fight and there are populations where it's not really going down. Yeah, that's true. The second paragraph of this letter says that (laughs) African-American gay and bisexual men as a whole, ages 25 to 34, experienced a 30% increase from 2011 to 2015. So please get yourselves tested, use protection, prep. What do you think about prep? Oh, I love prep. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's it's great to tell everyone who comes into open aid for a test, like... Have you thought about prep? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. So can you tell people what prep is? And also, if you want to know more on it, there's a Sexplanations YouTube episode all about prep. 
So how would you summarize it? Um, I think the go-to way to explain it is it's like birth control for HIV. Um, mm, that's such a good <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so it's like really effective um, between like 70 and 90%, depending on if you're an injection drug user or if you're um, at risk sexually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a daily oral pill. It's the same as the medication for HIV, but it's preventative. Um, super effective, really great. Medicaid covers it. So that's cool. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So lots of insurances cover it. And if not, there's a lot of like financial things to set up. Um, so it's pretty accessible, I think. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Mostly about getting the word out. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, here's your (laughs) platform. You can have it. Um, when I was testing, so this would have been, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago, we had access to post care. Mm-hmm. It was a, like a version of prep, but you would take it if for some reason you were stuck by a needle mm-hmm. that had been used to take a blood sample for the testing or something had happened mm-hmm. as a healthcare professional, you could go and access it. But prep was not being used the way that it is now as a preventative tactic that you mm-hmm. access all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's oddly some controversy about it, but I recently attended a conference and heard some of the experts in prep talking about it and to me, there is no reason that you wouldn't do that. Yeah, cool. yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, I think the argument against it is similar to the argument against birth control. If you give somebody a way to prevent the consequences of a certain behavior, then maybe they're more likely to engage in that behavior. And as a, a sex educator, I really try to take the position of choices, options, mm-hmm. like let's give people as many ways as they possibly need to Mm -hmm. protect themselves. And then they can decide what level of risk they put themselves at. But, you know, we're making sure that they're making informed consent. Yeah. And the thing is, people are engaging in these activities anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, so just like with birth control. Sex? Who's having sex? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone. Um, But I hear it's a thing. (laughs) 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 The YouTube says. (laughs) (laughs) So what else can you tell me? What's new? Um, in like the last decade. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, lots probably. Um, Yeah, so PrEP is the thing. Um, Really good. Medication is constantly getting better. But yeah, I I like to focus a lot um, because I do the HIV education in the high schools. Um, Oh, yeah. And we're getting getting into some middle schools. Um, (gasps) Really? Yeah, actually, we went to middle school in Hamilton. Um, (gasps) Hamilton, by the way, really small community, more on the conservative side of things. So this is a really big deal. I'm celebrating for you. Yeah, they were really great about it. Um, They, both their middle school and high school, wanted us to come and like talk about both consent and like HIV stuff. So it was really exciting. Wow. Um, yeah, Montana's coming around, even our like rural areas. So that's, that's cool. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. Okay, so you're going to the high schools. Yes. Are you in Loyola at this point, the Catholic private school? No, we're not there yet. We So traditionally until like last year, we'd only gone to the like four high schools mm-hmm. in Missoula, including... Um, the alternative. The alternative, okay. yeah, Willard. But as of last spring, we started outreaching into, like I said, Hamilton. Um, I'm meeting with a teacher from Sealy pretty soon, which is like an even smaller, farther away. Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, uh-huh. that's so cool. Um, yeah, and we're going to even like dismet like their fifth and sixth grade classes to talk about gender and stuff um, wow. in context of HIV. So that's really cool. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I used to do juvenile detention center. Are you oh, doing that? Mm-mm. Or... I don't think we have it anymore, but we used to have an inpatient drug rehabilitation center for teenagers called the Teen Recovery Program or Teen Recovery Center. Um, I used to go in there and do, 
I think it was three hours twice a week for eight weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's Mountain Home, which is a home for pregnant or parenting. Yeah, I went to them a few months ago, actually. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, watching the next generation of education (laughs) happening. So what are you teaching in those courses now? Yeah, so... When we go to the high schools, it kind of depends on how much time they give us. Like sometimes they only give us 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I just go over like the basics, like logistics, how, like what are the riskier um, actions and factors that lead to HIV, um, like safer sex stuff. What does like the process of getting tested and getting on medication look like? Just really basics. But if they give us more time, like two days or an hour and a half, I like to touch on like more more cultural aspects, um, talk about how race are higher in like trans communities. Uh, black and Latino communities, lower income, um, and a little bit about the history uh, related to like the LGBT community. And if I have time, I love to talk about the activism behind it. That's one of my like passions is HIV activism. So, ooh, what does that look like? So I I usually just talk about like ACT UP um, and the traditional like activism of the 80s and 90s. But I've also been doing a lot of research into like current issues, especially with criminalization. So people who are living with HIV who are either incarcerated for longer times just because they're living with HIV or there are some states where, I can't remember which state it was, it was like Michigan, I think, where a man like spit on a police officer, which obviously does not transmit HIV, mm-hmm. but he was incarcerated for like 30 years. Incarcerated because, because of he, the HIV yeah, stigma? Because, yeah, it was declared like a bioterrorist. I don't remember the language, but yeah, it was because he was living with HIV. And so like, um, oh. and there's a lot of states where like... Yeah, it's like specifically if you bite or spit at a police officer, you are like a lot more likely to be incarcerated or charged um, if you're living with HIV. Um, so, there, yeah, there's a lot with like people being in prison and like not having access to medication and like having worse sentencing just because there's someone who's living with HIV. I mean, I don't want anybody spitting or biting anyone else unless right. they have consent. But discrimination based on right, lack but of you probably shouldn't go to jail is, for yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of one of my like current interests in like research. So what does activism look like as an action? How can we act up? So I think it's kind of hard. Obviously, we're in Missoula, Montana, um, and there's like historically not been as much activism here surrounding Mm -hmm. HIV. It's not as like it's not San Francisco or New York. So, I mean, I think like as far as being involved, like come volunteer at your local syringe exchange or open aid or something. Um, but I would love to see, like, in other states, they, they do have, like, it's I can't remember what they call them. It's, like, HIV is not a crime or something different, like, panels and events where it's all about learning about HIV criminalization and, like, how to combat it and working with people in prisons who are living with HIV and stuff. So. Ooh, let's do one. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> the public library just gives out space. So they have a large meeting room in their downstairs area yeah. where you can you know, fill it up and have a projector screen and show Sexplanations episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we could have a panel and talk about it. Yeah, actually, we've done a couple of panels at the university um, nice. this last year. Yeah, for Diverse U, which is like our Celebrate Diversity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought in a panel of it was um, three men who are living with HIV to talk about their experiences, all older, um, long-term survivors. And then actually this May, we're bringing in the documentary How to Survive a Plague. Um, and we're also going to do like a panel thing about the history of HIV and activism and stuff like that. So That's so Yeah, so I'll cool. invite you. <laughs> you guys are all invited now if you live near Missoula or can travel. <laughs> yeah. 
fly in for the event. <laughs> wow. It's so strange. It's like, how do I explain this? Babysitting little kids and then going to an event, you know, a decade later and seeing them all grown up. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I used to babysit you and now look, you're all grown up. It feels the same way. <laughs> I love it. So will you tell me how testing is going right now? Do you find that a lot of people are coming to get tested? Is there still a ton of stigma around it? Are the the methods different at all? First of all, I'm 21, so I don't super have a ton of experience with like how it used to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young and new to all of this. I mean, stigma is definitely still there. I do think it is decreasing. Our tests at one point used to be anonymous. Now they're not, but they are confidential. And people don't seem to have an issue with that, which I think says a lot. Like they're not terrified to have their name out there. Yeah. Um, That's a big deal. Yeah, I went is. and got mm-hmm. tested, I don't know, five months ago. And I I remember them explaining that difference. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then I remember thinking, yeah, because you're removing the stigma when you say that this is confidential, non-anonymous. You're, you as a medical field mm-hmm. are saying that it should be treated like every other medical condition and mm-hmm. moving on. Yeah. 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 And so I think I mean, we have people come in, um, walk-in tests, like, all the time. We'll have, you know, some days it's slower, but some days we don't even have the space or the staff to test them all, which is good, you know, and then they just come back, like, the next week. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and the tests are really great. They're rapid tests, so they only take 15 minutes now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it's just a little finger prick and really, really painless, really easy. And then we just talk about your, like, risk factors and how to have safer sex and stuff while we wait for those 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Uh, not much is different there. I think our tests were 20 and we would do an oral swab. Mm-hmm. But I love how now you're also testing for hep C and chlamydia and gonorrhea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's really good. One stop shop. Yeah. And it's, it's perfect, um, especially for like HIV and hep C because we also run our syringe exchange. So we have a ton of our clients from that who just get tested for everything else. So it's and a really good, yeah, pick up your supplies, go get tested, get some information. <laughs> and see, when I was working there, one of the employees was just finishing up, I think, her PhD research on syringe exchange programs, but it was highly illegal in Montana. Mm -hmm. And so for us to now be able to provide that service, which does so much in the way of harm reduction, Mm -hmm. really shows to me the difference that time can make and the efforts of people involved to just like work on the minds of the undereducated and really teach them about what's going on and what we need to keep our communities safer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, because actually, it was still illegal until like last May or something. Um, <laughs> but you've been running yeah, it. Yeah, we've for been a running while. it for years <laughs> and years. Um, but yeah, so Missoula is the only above ground one right now. And we just recently became legal. But our um, we had like a setup with the police, lo- local law enforcement, and they just weren't going to bust us. <laughs> so that's like how we ran was just yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's yeah. We were lucky in Missoula to be able to do that. So have you seen rates go down at all? Um, rates of HIV, Hep C. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know any numbers, but in Montana, it is, you know, it's still, I mean, it's pretty low in Montana anyway. Um, but I think our rates are decreasing like pretty substantially, like 20 percent every yearish. Mm. I don't know about that. Don't quote me. <laughs> okay, people can look it up. They're yeah, really but it is good going about down. Curious. So. Earlier, you had said that you're 21, yes. which means that your entire life HIV has existed as we know it. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's been like in your own experiences of sex education and HIV education? I remember learning about 
HIV in you know school, elementary school, middle school, high school, wow. and stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, what? Yeah. That's amazing. But I don't know if it was like it wasn't like a bad way, but it wasn't a great way. Like my main until like a few years ago, my main association with HIV was like Queen and like mm. stuff like that, like very and like. I didn't really know how it spread. Like, I think there was still, at least where I'm from in Billings, like, kind of, people weren't afraid of it, but still kind of this idea of, like, people were scared of public transportation and, like, that's not a risk anymore, but, like, still pretty stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, like, even just going into the high schools now, they are so much farther ahead than I was even, like, six years ago in the high schools, um, which is really cool. I think they're doing a lot better at destigmatizing it as part of their curriculum instead of just, like, Here's some facts, which is really good. Wow. Any updates on the virus? Um, when you educate compared to when you were educated? Yeah, it's hard for me to say when I was educated because it, I don't know, I don't feel like there was that much focus on it. Like mm-hmm. it was just with all the other STIs. And I don't know, I don't feel like my sex ed was very good. It was kind of um, scare based. Um, mm-hmm. Like I remember them showing us like images of STIs, like at the worst progression without any treatment. Mm -hmm. What happens when you aren't properly sex educated? I I didn't know some (laughs) STIs were even curable until like three years ago, which is crazy to just speak to Billings uh, (laughs) sex ed. But yeah, I think it is a lot more comprehensive now as far as HIV goes and like understanding that like, yeah, that it's no longer a death sentence, although it still does kill a lot of people who don't have access to the medication and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's slightly less like, I don't know, I'm not a science person, so I don't teach the science behind it that much. Um, and I feel like that's more of the education I got. It's a little bit more like the cultural um, atmosphere surrounding it, which I think is good. Gosh, I'm thinking about the Speakers Bureau. So when I was doing their education program, we had an HIV positive Speakers Bureau, which sounds like you have some form of that. And a couple of the members had been diagnosed early in the 80s and had been given medication that was harmful to them. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest differences between the start of it and where we are now is that the medications have been worked and worked and worked and worked Mm -hmm. until we have found something that isn't simultaneously doing harm and doesn't have to be changed all the time because adherence is causing the medication to kind of get an advantage over Mm -hmm. the virus. So that's a big one. I also can remember at least two people who were like small town Montana ranchers that hadn't had a ton of sexual experience. And one in particular, I think he had not had any sex at all, fell in love when he was 24 and had sex for the first time and became HIV positive. And I I loved working with him so much because I think that that's a really valuable story to say. It's not about the number of partners you mm-hmm. have. It's about whether or not you know that your partner's status and what you're doing to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and even gosh. like the demographic, like we had an older rancher man come in not too long ago and like that's not your poster child of HIV, you know, this white rural Montanan who works on a farm mm-hmm. um, getting tested for HIV and he was he wasn't embarrassed or anything. He was just there to get tested and like did it regularly and it was yeah, I think it's really cool that we've moved to that point where it's not just the specific demographic getting tested. Is the current recommendation every six months? Um, it depends on like how at risk you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the general recommendation is about six months. For everyone? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's very personal. Like if you're not at risk at all, like you're not having sex, obviously it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's like pretty much the standard. If you think you're really at risk, um, 
because the way we do the test the, for the antibodies, it takes about three months for them to show up, the window period. So if you think you're like really high at risk, sometimes we encourage people to come back in three months. Mm. Um, but our standard is, yeah, every six months. What about protection? Do people have a lot of myths still? Like uh, I remember audience members from the Sexplanations YouTube channel telling me that they were told in class that condoms cause STIs and being told that HIV couldn't be prevented because the condoms are so porous that even though they could prevent sperm going through, they couldn't prevent HIV and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. So what are the kind of HIV prevention updates? So when we go into the high schools, we do this pretest to kind of get their base knowledge because we don't want to be like too repetitive, but we want to cover what they don't know. Oh my gosh, yeah. I want to know if it's the I one I wrote or did you guys write a new one? I have no idea. It might be. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. I love this. Okay, keep going. Um, yeah, so there's... I'm always like super interested in what because the high schoolers tend to like I don't know a lot of their answers are very much the same like I'm not usually surprised by their pretest but there's one about um, the best way to prevent HIV and other STIs and we have like it's multiple choice so one of them like the correct answer is condoms and lube but there's another one that's like have sex upside down there's another one that's like withdrawal method and a lot of students guess withdrawal method which to prevent all, HIV yeah which mm-hmm. always surprises me so I think there is some like I don't know if it's miseducation or just like an awareness and so they just guess that um, but yeah I mean we're always sure to like harp on condoms and lube are the best ways to prevent STIs yeah because lube can reduce friction and friction can cause irritation and irritation can cause the immune system to come to the surface and because HIV targets the immune system then you're looking at an easier route for contraction to occur yeah, definitely and if there's an tearing which is really common in anal sex even if you don't feel it even vaginal sex I always like try to get the high schoolers like if you haven't had sex like definitely definitely use lube for the first time and like if you're ever not sure like you know there's no such thing as too much lube it's just gonna be a little bit messy Um, Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) cool I am so curious about whether or not the pretest is the same. I know. I can show it to you. I have it. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm going back here in my email to, let's see, this is 2008. I don't know. I'll have to, yeah, we'll have to compare notes. That would be so fun. I love that program. So... Let me pull up here. There are three episodes we did on sexplanations about HIV. One is why to get tested. Why get tested? There's an HIV frequently asked questions. And there is the prep episode, which is great. And did you write it, the pretest? You no, d- you no, I just distribute it. But like I said, I do have it in my backpack and I will get it out. <laughs> you have it in your backpack? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I get it. I want to see it. I'm going to open eight after this. So okay, yeah, I want to see it. Okay, so we have HIV. Why get tested? HIV testing, and then HIV frequently asked questions. And I want to go here and find out what the frequently asked questions are because then I can ask them to you. (laughs) But you were saying that you have a copy of the pretest. Um. Okay, I thought I did. I have it on my computer. Ooh, look Um, at us go on our little computers. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to look for the questions, and you're going to look for the pretest, yes. <laughs> And then we're going to have all sorts of things to ask each other. Okay, this one. Do bug chasers really exist? Do you know what bug I chasers are? I do know what are? bug chasers are. Okay, I'm going to say, is, is this a, like an actual, is there a right answer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, and I 
answered all of these on the YouTube channel. I don't know what the prevalence of bug chasers is now, but then I was definitely working with people on the Speakers Bureau Mm -hmm. who identified as bug chasers. And they would actually talk about, you know, now that they are HIV positive, being part of the community to be gift givers and give the virus to people. So a bug chaser, if you don't know, is somebody who is actively looking to become HIV positive. And that's done for all sorts of reasons. If you're really curious, you can watch the the episode about it. Um, And then a gift giver would be someone who is HIV positive, willing to and or wanting to infect a person who is not. Um, so that there's this whole kind of underground community around it. Okay. So Lindsay, my girlfriend has this cut in her mouth. She's bleeding. And if I kiss her, can she possibly give me HIV? And so my response to that, whenever teenagers would ask me, was to say, like, what are you doing kissing someone's bloody mouth? Right. <laughs> <I don't laughs> That's also my response. <laughs> um, difference between HIV and AIDS. Oh, um, that's changed. That is changing. Yeah. So I guess like the standard answer is HIV is the virus that left untreated can progress to AIDS. But AIDS is just the final form of HIV. So there's a lot of conversation about um, eliminating the term AIDS altogether and just talking about HIV in stages similar to cancer. So AIDS would just be like the third or fourth. I think it's the third stage. Um, yeah, because at one point I read that they were going to switch it to, let's see, what were the, the original stages? I don't even remember. To think something was so intensely my language, I was fluent in it, and now I'm like, I don't even know what the (laughs) stages were. But I think at one point I read that they wanted to switch it to HIV-1, HIV-2, and HIV-3. Yeah, so that's still part of the conversation is, yeah, just eliminating the term AIDS, and it would be like HIV-3. Interesting. Yeah, not to be confused with the different strains. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few more questions and then we'll switch to the pretest. Okay. We can all take it and see how intelligent we are. Is HIV in urine? No. Feces? No. Tears? No. Sweat? No. Saliva? No. Boogers? No. Pre-cum? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think that's all the ones I have on here. All right, let's take the pretest, pre-test? that okay. maybe I wrote, but probably yeah, we'll, not. We'll see. Um, okay, number one, how much would you say you know about HIV and STIs? Everything, a lot, some, not much, nothing, or not sure. A lot. A lot, cool. How was, that, you, wait, that, was that the strongest one? No, everything. the strongest one is everything. Yeah, okay. some students say everything, and then they get like all of them wrong. <laughs> it's really, I think, Ew. I th- yeah, I know, I think it's kind of a joke, <laughs> but it's, it's wild. Kids are funny. What? That's dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Question two, how would you define, in quotes, safe sex? Oh, yeah, I totally did not write this <laughs> because I don't use safe sex. I, I use safer sex. Yeah, I do um, too. How would I define safe sex? Playing with other individuals in ways that reduce harm and increase sexual health. Yeah, I don't want to use sex in the definition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, so with the intent to arouse, I guess. I would take that answer. That's good. <laughs> what what answer are you looking for? Um, I don't. There's not like a an answer we're looking for. We're just trying to see like what what they say. Yeah, and and most of them just say like sex with protection. Yeah, and they don't define protection, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's what I what I would hope for as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. What's the difference between HIV and AIDS? Uh, three options: HIV is a virus, and AIDS is a bacterial disease. There is no difference between HIV and AIDS. Or HIV is the virus that causes AIDS. And those are confusing because two are kind of right. Yeah, the third one. Mm-hmm. 
How is HIV transmitted? List the four fluids, but now we're updating it to five fluids. <gasps> What's the fifth? When did that happen? Yeah, actually, the CDC changed it. I don't know when. I didn't know about it until like two weeks ago. So this is new for me. But rectal fluid is the fifth. Rectal fluid. Mm-hmm. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so inclusive. Yeah. Because people don't really think of it as blood unless it's red. And if we have vaginal fluid as an option mm-hmm. and seminal fluid as an option, we're just identifying their location, even though it's all really it's all similar, like fluid, plasma yeah. stuff. What? And then the fourth one, or the other one, is... Oh, that I didn't say? Yeah. So we have uh, vaginal fluid, seminal fluid, blood, breast milk, and rectal fluid now. Yes. Go team, go. <laughs> is there a cure for HIV or AIDS? Yes, no, or only available on prescription. <laughs> no. No. Or you, Correct. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no cure. But they're coming up with a what we would call vaccine, right? Yeah, they are working on a yeah preventative, but it's still not like a cure. So what is the risk of transmitting HIV during oral sex? Just the same as anal or vaginal. There's a 50% chance that HIV will be transmitted if one person is HIV positive. Or the risk is very low, but increased if either person has cuts or sores on their mouth or genitals. The last one. Yes. When having sex, the best way to avoid an STI is to use a condom, have sex standing up, or only have anal sex. Wait, ask the question again. When having sex, the best way to avoid an STI is to A, use a condom, B, have sex standing up, or C, only have anal sex. (laughs) (laughs) I know, yeah. (laughs) I really hope that your students don't get that wrong, but I'm sure they do. (laughs) That one they usually get right. (laughs) Okay, good. Condom, please. Yes, yes. Um, Do condoms provide total protection against all sexually transmitted infections? No. No. Which is the most effective at preventing HIV, other sexually transmitted infections, and pregnancy? A, birth control pill, B, withdrawal method, or C, condoms and lubricants? Condoms and lube. Yes. But again, a lot of people guess withdrawal method, which shocks me. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of withdrawal, but if you're talking about... HIV, other STIs, and you have pre-cum or, yeah, you, For sure. you right. accidentally or whatever. Like, it's not always about the fluid. Sometimes right. it's about the mucous membrane, like the urethra that mm-hmm. comes in contact with the rectum or mouth or mm-hmm. uh, vagina. So, Right. For sure. Yeah. So withdrawal method is one way of harm reduction, but it's not the most effective. It should be paired with. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and then our last one is drinking and drugs can make stuff unsafe. Do you agree or disagree and why? Yes, I agree. Because with lowered inhibitions, you're less likely to maybe take care of yourself or others or think that you can kind of get away with thinking isn't as clear, decision making isn't as clear. Access to resources may not be as easy. Putting on a condom when you're yeah. drunk or, talk, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm always really impressed with that when students, I mean, off, often talk about judgment being impaired, but a lot of them also talk about how you can't really consent if. You're under the influence mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, they've they've really gotten that consent message, which is cool. Good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole Sexplanations YouTube episode on sex and alcoholism and then another one on sex and drugs. Cool. Um, for those reasons, mm-hmm. where I actually use an exercise that I did with um, students when I was an HIV prevention educator, where you take a dish of milk. Have you seen this or done this? 
you can put food coloring in mm-hmm. and you would d- just do a drop for every message that you receive about sex. So this one is condoms prevent pregnancy or you shouldn't have sex before marriage. You should save it for the one you love. Sex is dirty, et cetera. And you just put in all these messages, regardless of whether or not they're true. Mm-hmm. And then you can take Dawn dish soap. And then what I do is I explain this is this is hormones or this is alcohol or this is drug. It's some sort of influence that then goes into the mind and it kind of scrambles up all of those messages. So even if at one point you were able to separate the ones that were factual, scientific, reasonable from those that weren't, it's hard to then distinguish between them when you're affected by a substance. Yeah, that's interesting. It is. <laughs> well, that was fun. I feel like we can now reward ourselves with Kegels. <laughs> Want to do Kegels with me? Sure. <laughs> Main As a group, we can all do them. Basically, you're going to pretend like you're on the toilet and you would clench your pubic coccygeus muscles to stop urination. And we're just going to do that and not pee when we're not clenching. This will be good. (laughs) Uh, It'll all work out. (laughs) So that's a Kegel. And we're going to do, give me a number. How many should we do? I've no, I've never done Kegels. I have no idea what a standard. Ever? No. <laughs> oh my goodness! This is so exciting. Yeah, you guys can all witness my alleged first. <laughs> That's wonderful. Okay, well then we won't do too many because I find that like exercising any new muscle, if you do too many, then you will be very sore, and I don't want you to to hate them and then give up on them permanently. So. I appreciate that. I'll try really hard not to pee. <laughs> yeah, don't no, don't pee. But the more you work your PCs, right, by doing Kegels, then the less likely you are to pee. Oh, it, cool. It'll help you control <laughs> your bladder, um, your rectum. It'll help with childbirth if you ever decide to have children. If, if you, I don't know what your anatomy is, but if you, whatever, <laughs> push a baby out to those of you in the audience, then it can help with that. It helps with sex. I would say it's definitely affecting my sex life after these 30, now 34 episodes of doing them <laughs> regularly each week. I am able to like grab that dick, squeeze it. So it's really fun. Sure. Proves <laughs> orgasm. All sorts of good reasons to maintain this habit after you leave, Jenny. (laughs) All right. So we'll do, let's go with 12. That seems like a reasonable number. I'm going to count them. So I'll just count one, clench, and then one, relax, two, clench, two, relax. Okay, got it. Can you feel it happening? (laughs) Yeah. Already? Yeah. Okay, then you're on the right track. Okay. (laughs) All right. So everybody relax. Relax your pelvic flooring. Okay. One, clench. One, relax. Two, clench. Two, relax. Three, clench. Three, relax. Four, clench. Four, relax. Five, clench. Five, relax. Six, clench. Keep clenching. (laughs) Six, relax. Seven, clench. Seven, relax. Eight, clench. Eight, relax. Nine, clench. Keep clenching. Keep clenching tighter. Nine, relax. Ten, clench. Ten, relax. Eleven, clench. Eleven, relax. And then twelve, clench it. 
I can feel my butt squeezing. <laughs> 12, relax. Now you've done them. Now, yeah, now I've done them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So wonderful. It's so great. I am finding that even now, just doing them when when we're recording the podcast, my <laughs> gosh, I wonder how many people out there are orgasming during the show because they're doing Kegels and they're working on their contractions. It's so fun. Please let us know in the comments if that's <laughs> happening to you. Um, also, let us know in the comments how your homework is going. The final part of our show is to do extra credit. Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you and so people have been working on this for a long time, and um, they'll hopefully continue to do this. Every episode, we give them some sort of assignment that they do on their off time when they're not listening to the show. And they can make a journal where they keep track of all of these cool projects that they're working on. And you can help me make that assignment. So extra credit. Any ideas? Wait, so what kind of journal? Like, So on the very first episode of Sexplanations Podcast, I assigned them to get some sort of notebook where mm -hmm. they could track the rest of their assignments. Okay. So they could write this down or not. We can come up with something that they could do, like going and get tested for HIV. Ooh, okay. Or reading a certain article or some sort of written exercise. You get to say. Hmm. Wow, I feel like I have so much power. I'm going <laughs> to go, yeah, get power hungry with all of it, having an audience. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to give you two options. I want you to vote. Okay. One, get tested. Yeah. Um, two, look into criminalization about HIV. Oh, so interesting. Do you have any resources in particular that you recommend? Um, I'm going to actually recommend looking into a specific man, Kerry Washington. Um, he's a black man from Idaho who has been criminalized, and he was an anti-HIV criminalization activist. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that he was like sentenced um, in Idaho, who, which has a lot of criminalization in the state, um, I think is really significant. Um, and most people who are criminalized and like put in jail are black, so... There's a lot of like racial homophobia, like a lot of stuff that goes into it. So K E R R Y. Yes, I believe so. Washington. Washington from Idaho. I think people can do both assignments. I think so too. I don't think either of them are that hard. <laughs> no, and I don't know. Maybe you have a different recommendation, but I have always said that if a person hasn't put themselves at risk, mm -hmm. it's still okay to go get tested for HIV. And part of the reason why I empower them to do that is because they then have baseline data. Mm -hmm. So they know at this point in time, I was not HIV positive. And then mm -hmm. if they participate in risk behaviors, which sex is, even if you're using condoms, mm -hmm. um, then they, they know mm -hmm. um, when that could have happened. And another reason is because I think if you go in without risk, you can experience the process of testing, which is an unknown to you. It might be really scary at a time when there is less fear around mm -hmm. it because you don't also have to think about having a reactive result. And so I, I'm like, yeah, okay, you want to get tested? These are the reasons why I've justified that that's okay. And so everybody do it. Yeah, wait, I want to change the assignment. I want them to get tested with like a friend or a partner or something. Ooh, I like it. Okay. <laughs> buddy system. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> when people come in mm -hmm. um, as buddies, you mm -hmm. test them back to back though, right? Yeah. So what we do is, yeah, we'll take one back um, and then the other. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. bring a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> listen to this explanations podcast yeah. while you wait. 
<laughs> and then the two of you can go out afterward and talk yeah. about your results or not. Keep yeah. them confidential. It's totally up to you. Up to you. But we would love to know in the comments, too. If you want to talk <laughs> about your status, I'm listening. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks, Jenny, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. I, I was nervous because we've never had a conversation <laughs> like this before, but I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing and that you're um, really committed to the activism piece and kind of changing the culture around it. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And doing it in Missoula, Montana. We're lucky. Yeah, we are lucky to have open aid and stuff in general. (laughs) To have you. That's a big deal. I also want to thank Cinema Studios, Kelly for doing all of the sound engineering, Complexly for providing this with the space and production, and Count Boogie for the jingles, and Cora and Parle, I'm still learning. (laughs) 